Person of Interest Podcast, episode number 21. The inmates are running the asylum. You are being watched. An artificial intelligence, a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins, is spying on you every hour of every day. We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team. Hello, greetings, salutations, and welcome to the Person of Interest podcast, a podcast dedicated to Person of Interest on CBS. I'm Daryl, and Doug, I have never been caught on White House surveillance cameras. That I'm sure of, because well, I've never been to the White House. Well, that's a, that's a good bet then. And it's a good thing, too, I have a feeling. And I'm Doug, in case you're wondering, and I'm still using pneumatic tubes at my bank's drive through It's really cool. Ah, wow, we are glad to have you with us for this, the penultimate episode of Season 4 of Person of Interest. This is Season 4, Episode 21, Mm -hmm. which originally aired on April 28th, 2015, entitled Asylum. Doug, I have to admit, I hate this time of year because it means all of our favorite TV shows are coming to an end. Now, we do have some cool ones for the summer, like... <clears throat> shameless plug falling skies final season berserker cast starting this summer uh or continuing under this the summer under the dome chester smill gazette starting in june mm-hmm, exactly um but what makes up for it just a little bit is that we get to say the word penultimate because i never get tired of saying that word and i'm pretty <laughs> sure i say that every year but it, it hasn't changed it hasn't changed <laughs> i think we did the same thing on the <laughs> penultimate episode of under the dome yeah and kara's in the uh chat room and she can probably uh verify we did that but yeah we've used it in a sentence there you are it is a fun word to say and you know what else is fun Looking here at the chat room that we have, we're doing our podcast live. We're doing it live like we do every Thursday when there's a new episode of Person of Interest. We start it, We try to start it at 8 o'clock Eastern, although we don't always start on time. Um, but yeah. we have a great crowd here tonight. And if you want to join us next week for the finale podcast, you're invited. And we just want to say how much we appreciate all of you who are here, all of you who are listening, whether you're in your car or on the subway or driving tractor, whatever it is, wherever you're at listening to us. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being part of the Golden Spiral Media community. And we love doing this podcast because of all of you and the interactions that we get with all of you. So thank you to all of you who've tuned in for the episode. Let's get into it. Talking about Asylum. Doug, you gave the air date. This was written by Denise Fay. Tay? It's Tay, isn't it? Tay, I, think I think I always yeah. mispronounce it. And Andy Callahan, and directed by Frederick E.O. Toya. Yes, Aditi. And we had some ratings for last week that were not what I expected hmm. for the uh, or for the last episode, not last week, the last episode. Um, it was a 1.4 rating. It was eighth for the night. I mean, we had people beating us that have never beaten us before in that uh, with that number. The Flash, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, those are good shows i watch them but they, we, we've been beating them pretty handily uh over the course of the year here mm-hmm. uh but they beat us uh, we had a 1.4 and then uh 8.45 million viewers which was fifth for the night which is usual but that's the lowest number for this season now it's still numbers that most tv shows would love to have 
And uh, so I have no uh, no concern about this being uh, renewed for next season. I can't imagine anybody canceling a show that uh, is doing so well in terms yeah. of the number of viewers. But, um, yeah, so it, it, as far as uh, competing with itself, this was not the uh, last last episode was not the best for person of interest. I'm kind of hoping that since we have, you know, these kind of a kind of a two parter finale here that uh, next week we uh, get a little bump. I hope so. I hope so. And I, I'm with you. I'm not in. I'm not worried at all that this show is going to get canceled. It's a really interesting way that we talk about this all the week, all the time. We're not going to spend any time on it, but uh, flash beat shield this week, for example, um, not in, not in viewers, but in the rating, which is obviously very, very important, but it's an interesting dynamic for sure. And Hopefully they're running, we'll they're coming down to the end of their uh, seasons as well. So mm, that's right. Big, big things happening there. So, yep. Well, let's chat. Normally we would give our ratings at this point, but let's chat first about some, some comments we got in about our previous, our previous episodes and the comments that we made about Terra Incognita. Does that sound like a deal? Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, Old news first. Is this uh, from Fringe Peaks? Or what is this first one in here? Well, the first one is uh, Sci-Fi Gene. Oh, 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 I got you. I misread what you had in there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so glad that Sci-Fi Gene sent this in. This is actually the episode, Doug, you were gone, and, and Karen and, and I did the episode together. We could not remember the word cyborg to save our lives. We were talking about androids and these other things. We were trying to figure out what it's called when it's a part robot and part human. And Sci-Fi Gene uh, wrote in and said, the word you were searching for is cyborg, a human-machine hybrid Android is just a robot with human-like characteristics without any physical human parts. Thank you, Sci-Fi Gene. I can now sleep again. Uh, he's, he's the uh, Sci-Fi Dictionary. Mm-hmm. And then Fringe Peak said, uh, Daryl, you and Doug were both kind of skeptical about, skeptical about John's actions in Terra Incognita after being shot. You know, he's, he's, he's got places he could go rather than being in the car, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, she says, you were both skeptical of why John would not have gone back into the cabin. Uh, I initially wondered about that. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. But I do seem to recall that heart pumps more the, the heart pumps more slowly in the cold, and bleeding would thus be slower in the cold than inside. With no cell reception, a poisoning victim inside, yes, and no way to summon help, the best option would probably seem to be to try to get the car running and get to where he could call for help. By the time he discovered he couldn't get the car started, he was probably in the initial stages of hypothermia, suffering from blood loss and probably in too much pain or too weak to get back inside at that point. It's more realistic than you might initially think, and the spiraling effects of blood loss and hypothermia set up his hallucinational state pretty effectively. So she liked the episode, and uh, but we really thank you very much for uh, clearing us up on that. Yeah, we did have a little question about, hey, why don't you just go back inside? You crawled halfway halfway there and then... You know, called mm-hmm. halfway back. But anyway, yeah. Very good. And thank you, Fringe Peaks. All right, let's get into uh, listener ratings. Uh, I guess we'll start with, with mine and yours, Doug. I gave it 9.99 neck snaps. I had to leave a little bit of room for improvement <laughs> next week. It was it was a perfect episode to me. I, I mean, it didn't resolve, but it, it was, I mean, come on, it's a, it's a two-part finale. Uh, it, it didn't need to resolve yet. So I was completely okay with that. Gave it a 9.99. I gave, I went... I went the whole route there. I just figured, what the heck? This was a 10. 10 X links. You know, link the guy who, you know, the number two there. Um, yeah, I, I just figured this is the kind of, of uh, episode of Person of Interest that really I like a whole lot because there's a lot of the, the myth arc going. There's a lot of the 
threads getting wrapped up and tied up and you see where you know all these things have been working together and i really like that so i gave it a 10 i i imagine we'll see more of that tomorrow so it'll probably be i'm not tomorrow next week uh, probably another uh 10 i'm predicting but we'll see yeah i'm now, thinking so too you will hear a whole we got a whole bunch of ratings this time we have folks on the facebook page and also from the feedback mm-hmm. a lot of folks in the facebook page and you're going to hear a trend here but go ahead let the go ahead and start the reading them off well let's get it kicked off with scott drone silvers who gave it 10 loud cheers for person of interest absolutely joseph ortiz said 10 didn't you know not a scale there but just 10 that's fine zachary chong gave it 10 right hand men dead sandy anderson gave it 10 I see a pattern forming for your for your yeah. next one too. Todd Willis gave it ten cochlear implants. All right. Pam Elger gave it ten. <laughs> Vivek Chowdhury gave it eight spacemen. Now I I put his I wanted him to he he gave a good description here and that's why I uh, usually we uh, just put the rating in there but mm-hmm. sometimes for folks who have a uh, rating that's kind of different from the rest of us I like to see what they thought about it. Go ahead and, t- and, oh, okay. and read that one off. Sure. Uh, Vivek said, I don't know why, but I didn't feel the tension of a penultimate. He used that word. Yes. Yes. Uh, a penultimate episode, which POI usually delivers. Some plot points were too convenient, but at least they ended on a strong note. My favorite moment, control killing the handler. Ruthless. Completely without Ruth. Alrighty, Jeff Childs gave it 10 peeps. And he said, I'll just have to go to 11 next week if I have to. <laughs> it's kind of, you're in the same situation you're in. That's right. Linda Beck, uh, Trent Beck, gave it 10 paper bags to breathe into. <laughs> you know, you don't want to get to hyper, uh, hyperventilate there. That's right. Alex Romat gave it seven unremoved cochlear implants. And she, now, she gave it seven. Mm-hmm. She said, I personally feel that the tension that's been building up all season surrounding Samaritan's different strings and plots haven't come together in time to pack a good enough punch for a penultimate, there it is again. There it is. Episode. Great listeners, yes. <laughs> I really hope the finale has a big payoff, else I'll be severely disappointed. I will, I will too, Alex. That's not to say I'm not enjoying the episodes, though. It's still gripping and doing what it does best. I have high hopes that the writers know what they're doing, and I hope so too, Alex. I do too. Uh, David Michael gave it 10 suddenly bearded, nothing left to lose mob bosses. That was the best one. <laughs> That's a good rating. Uh, suddenly bearded. I'm thinking, oh, yes. Because I, I was thinking, what's Elias? When does Elias have time to do a beard? You know, I guess he just hasn't been back home to shave. I guess not. Oh, it's it's, it's nice and trim, though. It looks good. Yes. Little salt and pepper thing going, yeah. Mm hmm. Bonita Butler said nine hiker dudes, because that's what it sounded like when Dominic mumbled Finch's nickname, Hacker Dude. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Pam Fasig gave it 10 out of 10 faked car crashes. Benson Ferris gave it 7 out of 10 days until the finale, which means... (laughs) Does that mean that his rating is going down each day? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Karen gave it 9 out of 10 red herrings. I've never eaten herring. And finally, Doc H. gave it nine nasty ninja neck snaps. Mm-hmm. That was oh, an awesome neck snap. <laughs> okay. I surrender. Okay. <laughs> Getting right. ahead of myself. Let's. This is going to be a little hard one to talk about because we normally uh, dissect this into the A storyline and the B storyline. And we do have that. We do have that this, this episode where Root and, and Finch are kind of doing their thing and Fusco and, and um, 
Reese are doing their thing, but it's all kind of happening at the same time and, and everything. But we're going to do our best to bust through this thing. Um, we even had a C story this week with yeah. with the control. C for control. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Definitely. Uh, where do we want to start here, Douglas? Well, let's start with the uh, the Big Bang, the big uh, fight here between Dominic and Elias. And man, alive. You know, it's one of those things where I don't see Elias' endgame, but, you know, I got I to gotta believe he has one. And you'd think that Dominic would realize that he has one. But Dominic hasn't really messed with Elias one-on-one too much. So we've seen Elias a lot, but mm-hmm. Dominic not so much. So it can be forgiven a little bit, but, you know, he's, he's, he's the boss. I don't you know, know if he does have an endgame, Doug. I'm, I mean, I'm not sure, because at one point we hear him say, I'm going to die anyway. We hear, we hear that later in the episode. But what I don't know for sure is if he has just brought himself to that truth, that, he, that, 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 that which he believes to be true, which is he will die. Or if he's just trying to lull Dominic into a false sense of security so he can pull one over on him like he did with his right-hand man. So, But I don't know. I don't, I don't know if what his endgame is, but this was brilliant. And it all started with this first opening scene and the, uh, the, the dead uh, Brotherhood guys. Yeah, now I, maybe uh, endgame was the wrong phrase. Maybe uh, backdoor Okay, was was more the thing that we were looking at because yeah he he did sound very fatalistic as did mm-hmm. Risa uh, at, at some point mm-hmm. um, even some previous episodes and there's been a bit of foreshadowing with that where Reese was right. uh, wanted to teach uh, Finch how to use a gun and I'm not always going to be around so you know kind of a well maybe yeah yeah the, yeah the 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 whole death of the Brotherhood guys but no numbers. Uh, you know, that, that was a good question to bring up, and I'm glad they did. I've also wondered, you know, there are so many people in New York that die every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, can, I, they can't be getting the numbers of all of them. So right. this has got to be uh, people who, uh, whose death will be, you know, noticed in the, the power stru- structure of, you know, the gangs or uh, with people that maybe the machine can make use of and that sort of thing. So I can understand that there'd be certain numbers that it would give and certain numbers that it would it just can't do anything about necessarily. It doesn't doesn't feel that it's uh, it, it it can, but um, but yeah, the no numbers and we find out a little later how that worked. But this is something that's giving Finch kind of a you know it's really stuck in his craw here, trying to figure out why in the world is the machine not seeing all this. Well, and the, obviously the important thing here is that it was even brought up as a piece of dialogue because just like you said. It would be easy for us as the audience to go, well, it's gang members. There's too many to really worry with. You know, there, there's this war and the machine can't save them all. You know, whatever. We could make excuses to why the machine didn't pull those numbers. But for it to be added as a piece of dialogue now for a couple of times, especially regarding these gang wars, it's it's something that we, I think, is a, a clue to us that, hey, the machine is not pulling these numbers for a reason and I think it points to the fact that I, – I say fact, we don't know. But I think it points to the turf war and the god war are somehow going to become intertwined like we've speculated you know, for, the, for the majority of the season. What do you think? Well, the thing, the thing too, is that I, I, think, I think what it was trying to show, what the writers were trying to show early on, that something is different. Something the gangs are doing is different such that it can't predict anything. Mm. And the pneumatic tube, you know, messaging that is off the grid, that the machine can't see, that you can't necessarily, uh, uh, you know, watch somebody say something and read lips and, and that sort of thing to figure out what's going on. But you just have a message going through these pneumatic tubes that used to, and probably still do somewhere, I guess, uh, are all throughout Manhattan Island. 
that they used to use, I don't know, 20s, 30s, 40s kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I don't know. I just, I think that, I think that's what they were trying to uh, explain. I, th- I thought the pneumatic tubes explained why the machine could not anticipate that. Well, now that you say that, I mean, that just, I think I overthought it. I think you're right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think I overthought it quite a bit. Okay, well, I'm glad you cleared that up then. Um, <laughs> now, hopefully I didn't overthink this. When we see Reese and Fusco kind of walking into the police station or the courthouse, I guess it was the courthouse where the where the Brotherhood guys had been killed, uh, Reese tells Fusco that he is a good detective and a friend. To me, I interpreted that as it was Fusco that showed up last week with the headlights and saved our uh, John. Is that what you thought too? I- I I had no idea. I thought he was just being nice, but why I didn't know. But that makes that makes sense. Okay. And I remember seeing somebody tweet on that night. They said, "Wow, two compliments to Fusco in one sentence. That's amazing from Reese." <laughs> All right. Right. So so people noticed it, but it's like, what? But yeah, okay. I hadn't thought about that. That was probably it. Hey, you know what? You and I make a good team. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We do. It's amazing. We yeah. got to do this more often. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So they they follow the, the the tubes and they find um Elias and the brotherhood is sweeping in right away. He gets our boys in a pretty hot spot um very quickly. Very quickly. And it was and it was a kind of interesting dynamic for the remainder of the episode to see as you as you mentioned already the fatalistic points of view of both Elias and John. Fesco's with them. All three of them are getting tortured. Uh, in a variety of ways, it's pretty pretty dark point of the episode with all all of our guys. Yeah, and one of the things that I was I, I appreciated that they had this uh, this this sort of dialogue in there. Dominic knows something's going on, mm-hmm. and he knows that Reese and Fusco are protecting Elias, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know why. Elias doesn't know why. Elias is still uh, unaware of the machine, right? But he seems to, you know, he he recognizes, I believe, uh, he's seen Harold, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so he knows about Harold and, and Reese, and, and he doesn't know why they're doing what they're doing. Dominic has figured it out, you mm-hmm. know? So this is one of those things. And I, I have a feeling that by the end of the next episode, uh, we're going to be reading in Fusco on the machine. I bet he's going to get his own, uh, very own yellow box around his face there. Uh, because it, 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 at some point, this has got to. I mean, he's he keeps coming closer and closer, figuring out some of this yeah. uh, by himself. And now we've got two gang members that know something's up, but they don't know what it is. Right. And so I, I that, that's got to happen. That's I, I, that would be a great payoff, I think. Yeah, it would be a nice change uh, as we, t- we a literal turning of the page. If uh, well, I guess not literal, but figurative turning of the page as we end this chapter of the story. To, to enter a new chapter next season. So it would be kind of cool to see Fusco uh, get a get a change of box color. Um, it'll also be interesting to see, and we're going to, I think we're going to play a game at the end of our podcast, uh, which is who, who dies and who lives uh, next week. But if Elias and or Dominic live, because both of them, as you just said, they know that that geek with glasses is a hacker and he's providing information that could help save the lives of the gangsters, if you will. I don't know how else to mm-hmm. term that, but um, he would be a great person to have on your team. Now, Dominic is foolish to think that the hacker, well, maybe he doesn't think that the hacker guy would want to be on his team, but he obviously thinks he can control him, I guess. So at any rate, it'll be interesting also, what I'm trying to get to here is if either of those guys do survive next week, 
what will they learn in the process? Because that could be our collision point. If we if these two storylines are going to converge, the fact that Dominic mentioned the hacker guy or the hiker guy, if you want to, you know, be like uh, <laughs> uh, mention him this week. So that could be, like I said, our, our point of convergence with these two storylines. Um, we'll see. I don't feel like they necessarily have to converge, but I still do. Even though you, you talked me off the, uh, the, the wrong path earlier, I still think that these two stories are going to converge in some way. That would be, that would be interesting to see uh, whoever the survivor or survivors is or are, mm-hmm. how they use that information. Uh, you'd have to, you know, if you knew that somebody else could predict the future by whatever means, mm-hmm. then uh, you would really want to get uh, control of them. The problem is, is if you control him, you don't necessarily, like, for example, if you got Finch, you know, off, you know, tied up somewhere and he can't talk to them. He can't find out those, the, that information. Right. Uh, I guess the uh, the machine could call him with the uh, the code, but the you know, the library books are back in the office, you know. Mm-hmm. So and actually, you know, he's not in the library anymore. He hasn't been nope. in the library all this season. Nope. So what is the what does the machine actually tell him on the phone? Because he doesn't have those Dewey Decimal numbers to look up. Right. That well, things. and that's what, what Dominic just. There's so much he doesn't understand, and that is he overestimates the the ability that that the hacker guy has over mm-hmm. the machine. He greatly overestimates that. And Barb makes a great point. Won't it be interesting if they if he does meet the hacker guy and go, "You're the substitute teacher." That drew pie on the board and inspired uh, me to take over the city or do whatever. That would it is, be you know? cool if they were to, yeah, yeah if they were yeah. to uh, verify that, make that canon that he actually yeah. was the kid in the back there. That would be amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, during this whole torture scene, the thing that bugged me was the fact that Fusco is being tortured to find out this information. He doesn't he know. Knows it. Nothing. I mean, yeah, he knows <laughs> about Harold. He doesn't know where he is. He has yeah. no idea. And he's just he's you know he's wisecracking uh, through uh, being uh, drowned there, mm-hmm. so almost drowned. But uh, and he's he's great uh, in that. But it's, it's yeah. I was just feel I felt for the guy because he had no clue. I know. He is not. You know, he's not a a co-conspirator here. He's he's the patsy. So well, he he is the patsy in, in terms of he doesn't he's not involved directly with he doesn't know anything, right? But I will say that after what we saw in in the mid-season arc that we had last year, which ended up with the death of Carter, you know, they they kind of led us to believe that Fusco was going to be the one that was going to die, and we saw him tortured and really come through that and out with those guys. So. With that kind of still rattling around in my brain, I was like, that's all right. Fusco's tough. He can handle this. You know, he's going to be all right. So I didn't feel too bad for him. It'd be like if John's getting beat up, which he was, right? I was like, that's eh, all right. John can take it. He can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> he can handle it. <laughs> Although, man, if I've got a bullet wound, that's bad enough. But then sticking a metal rod into that, yeah. my, my, my. I would not be like gritting my teeth and burying it. I would be crying like a little child. <laughs> and then not, you know, talking calmly, you know, a minute or two later. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I would be passed out from the <laughs> shock of what was happening to me. Oh, man. Yeah. So they just that's we were just showing that Reese is the beast. Thank you very much. Yeah. He's he's he is a trained guy. I mean, come on. I will give him that. But I, would, I there's no way I could handle it like he did. He's a he's a champ. Now, one thing Reese uh, said to uh, to Fusco, and I and I'm trying to remember the the uh, context of it, that that whether whether he was referring to Fusco as the source of this, but he said that a friend had reminded him what he was missing, life, mm-hmm. you know, going out, enjoying life, actually living it, and I, w- I wasn't sure where where that came from, but you know, this is one of those, 
it kind of sets up an alternate path for John that is not fatalistic, but, you know, one where he gets the happily ever after, if you want to talk the once upon a time speak here. Mm -hmm. So and, and so I'm, I'm wondering if they're just trying to point us in a couple of directions. And, you know, maybe these, this is one of those uh, red herrings that uh, we referred to earlier, that he is... Maybe he's going to be, you know, um, kind of moving on with Iris and all that, uh, or or maybe he dies. And and if so, especially if he dies now, to to know to have be reminded that he needs to live his life and then to be taken out, that would be a heartbreaker. That would yeah. be, hit you right where it hurts. And so uh, they're doing a lot of good stuff with the with the Reese character. It, it's one of those things where he can be, you know, he's been very emotionless emotionless uh during uh during most of this run here he doesn't mm -hmm. really have too many you see him smile once in a while but not much so to have him finally kind of get over this uh th this hump here to to say yes i realize what i'm missing that's what i'm missing right over there and then he dies Ooh. but i can't imagine Reese dying no i can't either and and uh it, it was it was the conversations with carter that he had last week that i think brought him to that that frame of mind Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, I don't know if he's if that means he's over his hero complex or his, you know, that maybe it's the same thing. But but at least his desire to make up for lost uh, or past losses, uh, the guilt that he has for those, if he's been able to move on beyond that. But I guess the time will be the tell. I don't know if it was just something that was kind of a convenient uh, plot device for him and Elias to share some poignant moments. Or if it's going to be a, a clue to a, you know, a new Reese, a new a new framework, mind mind, uh, mind frame for her. frame of mind. That's the word I'm looking for. Exactly. Gee whiz. We might we might see a different Reese next season. I could be setting yeah. that up. That would and that would be uh, that would be cool. I'd like to you know to to see these characters grow a bit and change and realize that what they've been doing so far they need to do with a different attitude or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that sort of thing. I it's it's I love series that have the time to do that. So what do you think about the little uh, hoax at the very end there? Again, not the end game, but the back door out of uh, the situation there. And I, he's not really out of it yet. You know, all this did was uh, make uh, Dominic, well, put Dominic in the same position as Elias was, force him to uh, kill his number two, and then have, uh, you know, have that on his uh, on his mind, on his uh, conscience. Mm -hmm. And that, I, I can see... If Elias, if if we are setting up Elias to be uh, taken out, uh, I can see where uh, Dominic would just be in a rage over realizing what has happened because mm -hmm. we left that, you know, we left that situation hanging uh, between that episode and the next. Yeah. Well, you know, we have the vantage point of the of a third party watching through a screen of glass or plastic, whatever your LCD screen is made out of. So. For me, the moment that they mentioned, tell me what does it feel like to be responsible for your friend's death, the writing was on the wall that Dominic was going to kill his friend and be duped into doing it. So I wasn't at all surprised that that happened. I was a little bit surprised that Dominic so easily fell into Elias's trap and killed his number two. I can't even think what the guy's name is right now. Well, uh, it was Link. That was my... Oh, uh, Link. Okay. That was yeah, the ex-Link. That's yeah. right. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so, I don't know how I missed that connection. So I saw it coming. I was a little surprised Dominic wasn't smarter than that, but I'm glad the guy's dead. I mean, it weakens Dominic, <laughs> and, it, and it makes him uh, more off balance. It also makes him more unpredictable, 
because now yes. emotion is tied into it where he's been very calculating just like Elias has makes him a little bit more unpredictable, but I do think that it, it still works to Elias's advantage. Will they both or either of them walk away next week? Stay tuned for our predictions. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I loved that Elias was still able to, to pull one over on the young pup. It was great. Indeed. And, and make, you know, put the two on parody now, you know, they kind of, um, even things out. Whereas, you know, Dominic had, uh, had really wounded Elias, so to speak. He, uh, he did that back. And now it, there may be a little more respect from Dominic, uh, because of, you know, seeing that he too can be, uh, is not invincible. He can be uh snooker just like anybody else mm-hmm. by, yeah, by the older generation. Thank you very much. Yeah. It was cool. All right. Well, let's talk about the B storyline. I think that was all for the, uh, for the Reese and uh, Fusco storyline. Yeah. Um, okay, Doug, I want to get your opinion here. There was a very small scene, but very important right there in the subway car at the very beginning of the, the first scene we have with Root and Finch. She has the cast. She breaks the cast. She pulls a chip out, puts it with the briefcase that we saw with the egg, which we obviously know that the egg isn't what was important. Uh, she puts it into something. I'm not sure what it was. It looked like a computer of some sort. What do you think is going on? Because clearly that's got to, I think, clearly that has to come into play next week, right? It has to. You can't You can't leave that for uh, for next season. Right, right. I have no idea. I, I'm wondering if, what if that was the machine? No. No, it's not. It's it's out there. It's connected. It's, and well, the connected thing, that's, I am really interested to see how they, uh, explain this because they've been talking about Samaritan's been looking for the machine, mm-hmm. and we had you know the uh, the virus software that was being mm-hmm. uh, used to search all the computers in the world, and it's not on any network. Well, then how's it talking to to uh, to Harold? You know, and so I don't know. I'm thinking that that has some connection to it, or. I, I don't know, but that that that's my guess. Uh, as as nebulous as it is, mm-hmm. that it has some connection to the physical machine. Um, that's all I can. That's all I can say at this point. Unless it's going to be, maybe it's going to be mm-hmm. Root's replacement for her cochlear implant. If they in fact really do uh, yank it out of her, hmm. okay. and yank is about the nicest phrase I can use for that, given what they were setting things up as. Yeah. That guy was getting pretty antsy with that that uh, bone saw. It's like you have a minute. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and turn my bone saw on. Needs to get warmed up. <laughs> Thirty seconds later, will you turn that thing off? <laughs> it's like you're sitting in the chair waiting to get yeah. your teeth drilled by the dentist. <laughs> Except uh, this is worse. So no Novocaine. Yeah. yeah, I think it has to tie into the machine and and saving the machine as well. I'm getting just a tad bit ahead of myself here, but I I think it's I think it's really interesting, Doug, that it would seem to me, and correct me if I've misinterpreted something, but it would seem to me that for who knows how long the machine has known where Samaritan's operations are. And now, is that where Samaritan is physically located? I don't know. I don't know. Because remember, they had the servers that Root hacked before. So I think Samaritan's everywhere, like I thought the machine was everywhere, but where... The machine, or excuse me, Samaritan hasn't been able to track down the machine. It would seem that the machine knew exactly where Samaritan was, or at least where the home base was, but was specifically keeping, you know, the team machine away from there for their own for their own safety until you know the time was was appropriate, I guess. And even wasn't wasn't appropriate now because 
the machine was telling Root to stay out of there. True, true. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, when you say Root install those, that one server or three mm-hmm. servers or whatever that was supposed to keep these people, uh, keep our team machine uh, out of the sight of uh, Samaritan. Right. If that was the case, how does she know where to go? The machine told her where to go. So the machine knew at least where that mm, data center true, was. True. And so we've we've seen that, number one. Number two, yeah, it, it was talking to them, essentially, throwing words up on a screen in, you know, the belly of the beast. Yeah. And so it must know where, you know, where that is, where, you know, Samaritan HQ is. So I think, you know, I think what's going to happen is the machine has got to, to win at some point, whether it takes out Samaritan completely or whatever. That's its leg up, basically. It has the uh, it has the has the knowledge of Samaritan that Samaritan does not have of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I, I think the machine is even more prepared than than what we had speculated. We, we've been speculating that the machine was more prepared than what we were giving it credit for, or what was being shown to us. But I, I think this is another clue that it, it's probably even more prepared than what we have than what we have thought. Now, I, as we're talking this through, I just remembered. The software company that Root partnered with for an app or something like that. Do you remember that? Yep. A few episodes ago. So yeah, I don't know if that's going to come into play. Maybe that will tie into the the microchip and the briefcase. And there's a lot know. of Root actions that mm-hmm. are really dangling threads here that they've got to you know gather back up. And I yeah, I think you're right. That's going to be definitely one of the things that that brings it all in. We've got you know the, some hardware that she's brought in, and maybe it. I don't know, uh, interfaces with that. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Well, Fringe Peaks here in the chat room says perhaps the chip that she took out of her cast is some sort of, you know, quote unquote, poison pill for Samaritan. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, like a, that's a good idea too. A, a virus or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find well, out in just inter- a few days. <laughs> now it was interesting at the, at the beginning of this, uh, the search for Shaw, if I may uh, borrow from a uh, Star Trek movie title, uh, the machine, when Shaw called Root, the machine, I think we saw some graphic that said it was trying to trace the call. Mm-hmm. So maybe up until that point, it did not know mm. where mm. Samaritan HQ was. And this gave it, you know, gave it the, uh, the, the one clue it finally needed. Okay. And then, but of course, Root was not going to sit back and, uh, and, you know, oh, well, just, you know, I, I, she's not even going to let the machine tell her don't go after her. Right. And, uh, which... Which is in character. I like that. So she's often, so is Harold, and that was. Uh, but and I did notice too that Root is still talking to the machine. Now, what I wondered about that is that one of the reasons at the very beginning of the season she couldn't talk to the machine the way she usually did before, right. Right. Uh, because Samaritan it would alert Samaritan and all that stuff. And and I was thinking, well, she's talking to it now. Doesn't mm-hmm. that really expose that, or are we? Uh, is the machine maybe using the VHF network that was set up in um, in the beginning of the season to mm-hmm. talk to Root? I, they didn't really go there, so I don't. I'm not, I'm not sure if she couldn't do it before and she can do it now. I think they needed to kind of uh, explain how that might happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we've seen them get a little bit more relaxed step by step as the season has has gone on, um, coming out of the the shadows a little bit more, staying or getting off of the the dark map, you know, more and more often, but I don't know. That's a good question. Well, they, they do arrive at the asylum and, uh, and they hack into that there, but again, Samaritan is right on top of it. I mean, that's something we, we probably should have seen coming. It didn't, mm-hmm. uh, when it, when it happened, it didn't surprise me, but I didn't think about it beforehand, but yeah, it does make sense. Samaritan just, 
yanks it in and yanks out the uh, the uh, the laptop so it can't see what's going on, and uh, and claims that it's going to find the machine soon. And I think, you know, I gotta wonder sometimes if if it's claiming something only to rattle our you know our intrepid uh, machinists here, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe it doesn't really, or or maybe it's so. Uh, you know, it, it, it thinks so highly of its own, uh, uh, intelligence that it, uh, it's, 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 it's just a matter of time. No problem. I will do it. I don't know it yet, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to find yeah. it. No problem. It could be, you know, just like any other evil person or, or, you know, character. Megalomaniac. Because, yeah, exactly. That's a better word for it. Yeah. Just trying to, you know, if it could, it would monologue for a while. <laughs> and I guess it could. It does occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Be, that's what it's going to do next week. It's going to find the machine. And either either the mach- or the Samaritan or, or Greer will monologue for a while, which will allow Root <laughs> and Finch to catch up and install the poison chip. Oh, there's your, there's your prediction? Is that your prediction? Um, that That's my prediction. I don't right. know. <laughs> I don't know. Here's what I do know. I love the scene where yes. after they get hacked, they go into the insane. There's so much <laughs> to love about this uh, where Finch or Root is pointing out to Finch, you know, you brought me into one of these places not so long ago. That was a great line. That was good. Yes. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, the, the key to... Getting information from the asylum is from a guy named Lenny, which immediately I'm like, four, eight, 15, 16, 23, 42, four, <laughs> eight, 15. Because that was the guy that played Connect Four and lost that gave Hurley the number. I mean, it was just like, you can't have a guy in a bad robot show that has named info Lenny. you need from an asylum and him yeah. not be Lenny, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 It was well, great. Well, even, even before that, when, when they're talking or when they're trying to, when they're getting uh, Harold admitted to the asylum yeah to to get to explain why he's mad all he had to do was tell the truth yes you know <laughs> he uses aliases all based on birds you know lives and in the subway <laughs> g- g- he lives in a subway gangs are coming after him and in super intelligent artificial intelligence you know computer <laughs> Okay, it's we've like, got a room for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> was, when when Root said something about, well, we'll just call him a John Doe, I would thought she was going to do something like a, a John Dove or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that would have been better. A bird name. Yeah. But it didn't. Or he would have um, corrected her, make that Dove. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I, uh, I, I, was, I was noticing, uh, Carrie Preston, mm-hmm. Michael Emerson's wife, tweeted that the man, the, you know, the doctor that they, that, that Root turned Finch over to the doctor there is uh, actually Carrie Preston's brother. So it's Emerson's brother. Oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah, there she was go. tweeting along. Michael was also tweeting along during the episode this week. Yes, not as much as I was hoping, but yeah, it was nice mm-hmm. to have him in there and throwing out a few little uh, uh, little tidbits about what had been going on, some some behind-the-scenes kind of thing. It was, it's, it's very cool, and you need to be on the, uh, be on, uh, the Twitter uh, to keep an eye on those things. It's really cool. Yeah, definitely. All right. Now, at this point, Doug, we don't know that we're in the belly of the beast, right? Right. We think that Root is systematically making her way to Shaw. Not that we expect her to rescue her when she gets there. I mean, I certainly didn't. I thought there would be a fight of some sort, which there was. But it turned out she looks through the window, immediately brings her, pulls herself back out of view, and it is the headquarters for the machine or for the Samaritan – 
And I GOL'd. I gasped out loud because I just didn't see that coming. I was so shocked. And I was because, look, that takes it up a notch. That that took it up a notch. You know, it's one thing to, to finally have uncovered Shaw. It's another thing altogether on a completely different level, a major different level to go, oh, crap. We're in the middle of Samaritan's headquarters. I mean, that was just amazing. Loved that reveal. Now you can understand why the machine was saying, don't go there. Yeah. Stay away. <laughs> and I was oh, also man. surprised that they apparently had Shaw at their own headquarters. I would have thought they had her farmed out somewhere in some some off off location like we had seen, you know, in the uh, in the Groundhog Day episode. But that wasn't the case. Yeah, that, that is surprising that they would not have, you know, put her some, you know, some safe house somewhere mm-hmm. uh, far away from, uh, from you know, the belly of the beast. But they, you know, they, boy, they sneaked her out just fine. I mean, uh, before Root can actually get there, um, uh, she's uh, Root is taken and she's drugged, and uh, we see later on that uh, from a machine's vantage point that uh, Shaw has been shuffled into a car and then near the very end we see you know the inside of a car and you can see in the rearview mirror there's Shaw waiting to mm-hmm. she's she's awake and you know getting uh, transported who knows where but yeah right uh so that was and and we get Finch uh captured as well and yeah this is just this is this is the getting your heroes into such a dire situation that they can't possibly get out of it and uh and then hopefully in the final chapter <laughs> bring them back yeah well and that's the way we had it all episode all of our heroes finch was helpless sitting there helplessly as root was about to get her her uh, head cracked open or sawed open mm-hmm. uh, root has been and drugged and uh, you know uh, bound although she was able to break through those but she's i mean she, they're, they're not going to get away those i mean this didn't seem likely uh, Fusco and, and John, we've already talked about how they were in a, v- a very bleak situation. I mean, this was, we talk about story arcs here and, 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 and uh, not character arcs, but story arcs where you, you have these, uh, I don't know what the story, the phrase for this part, I mean, one of our, our chat rumors can, can tell me here, but you know, they're at their, their lowest, darkest moment at this point where, where there just seems to be no hope for any of our, our good guys. And, uh, it, for me, it made really good television, really compelling stories, and uh, I was really into it at this point. It's Frodo and Sam in Shelob's Lair. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you think they're dead or you think they're doomed, and then, you know, they're going to make it out. Of course, of course, after Shelob's Lair, then they've got to go through Mordor. Maybe right. we're still there. Who knows? Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, they, they could still – I don't think that they have reached Mordor yet. I think that there is still – they'll get out of this, but it's only to go to the next step. There's another battle awaiting them. There's another confrontation that is in all likelihood bigger than the one that they experienced in this episode. Did you – did you see the Martine snap coming? No, I wasn't surprised that that Root killed Martine. I mean, we all saw that coming. We knew it was it was inevitable, but when or where or how, you know, I don't know that anybody predicted. Um, now, having said that, I wasn't surprised that Root was able to free herself and and kill Martine. But I I was still surprised 
when it happened. I mean, I, I, and then root sits back and says, now I surrender. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't G O L at that point. I L O L at that point. I, Cause I was so happy that Martine was, was dead. It was a pretty epic neck snap. And then roots like, all right, now you can have me. I mean, that was awesome. I, I like you know, the writers did a great job with this because it, like you said, it's something that we saw coming uh, miles away. Yeah. But but you but they still did it and they surprised us. Yeah, you know if they had had an extended battle in the final episode of the season, it's like yeah, get over it. She's going to kill her. But no, it's just all of a sudden, pew! Thank you. Now I surrender. What? You know? Yeah. So it's it's showing you the inevitable and still making you uh, surprised that it happened. Yeah, yeah. That was, that's fantastic writing. That's right. And of course, I tweeted at that point. Oh snap. <laughs> Yeah, if I'm if I'm good for nothing else, it is a terrible joke when when terrible jokes are needed, or even if they're not needed. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. I had I had a question at the uh, at the end of this particular storyline. Okay, and you know the the machine at the end says you know release and it'll give up its location. Mm-hmm. It'll tell it'll tell Samaritan its location. So my question is this, you know, earlier on we had Harold talking about his fear of computer AIs and how they they run on basically perfect logic. That is to say, if I said we want to cure world hunger, okay, we'll kill a million people, and that will actually give us, you know, it'll cure world hunger. Right. A billion people or something like that, mm-hmm. because then that would you know, have more food to go around. That, you know, that's that's just calculating the numbers. That's not caring. Now we see that the machine is actually willing to give itself up to save the humans that are working for it. So I'm wondering if... You know, Harold's during this season, he has this is where we haven't seen it so much in previous seasons. But in this season, we've seen him talk about the the dangers of a computer AI. I wonder if this creates a change in him, a growth in him to say that, well, you know, maybe this is not necessarily a heartless AI. Maybe it's not just a computational engine that will make, uh, you know, quote unquote, good decisions for humanity that may or may not be good for certain humans. That that this actually does, there is caring involved somehow uh, in this programming. So I just wonder if, if we see a little bit of that in his, uh, he hasn't had time to react to this yet, but maybe in the next episode where he says, you know, maybe it's not, uh, maybe it's not so bad after all to have, depending on what you've got, like Samaritan didn't have that, uh, doesn't have that sort of uh, uh, caring for humans, that sort of empathy. Machine does. So uh, right. I want to see. Well, I think that's a definite difference between the two. We saw Harold try to program the machine where it did have some care, compassion, you know, those sorts of things in there built in, in with it. So, I, you know, and we got the comment from Greer, how arrogant of you to think that because Harold's trying to talk him, trying to convince him, say, hey, don't you know that the machine or the, the Samaritan is just going to you mean nothing to it? It's just going to kill you when it's done with you. And then. Greer responds and says, how arrogant of you to think that you matter at all. But the fact is that to each of their machines, they're both exactly right. To Harold's machine, he does matter. The machine says that. You're not irreplaceable. To Greer's machine, he's just a cog in a wheel. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Greer really kind of you know chuckles to himself when Martin is killed. Yeah. There's this spark on his face, and he turns around and goes on doing what he was going to do because, you know... Martine's interchangeable. Somebody else could come in and, you know, and, and do her job. Yep. She so was never it's not anything. Just, yes. It's not just the, uh, the machines with different, uh, 
attitudes. It is the people who are controlling them with the different attitudes. And I wonder how much of that is which direction did that flow? You know, did Samaritan not care because its handlers don't care, but the machine does because Harold does? Right. Well, and I think that that's probably um, at play for sure. I mean, the, both of these machines are still learning. Um, they're both built with the capacity to continue to learn beyond their original programming. And the machine has proven itself to be very capable of, of learning and doing its own thing, making its own decisions. The Thornhill episode we got last episode where it created this entire uh, entity and company in order to be able to refeed information back into itself and then create purchase orders, which moved itself to an unknown location that is still a mystery even in this episode. Mm -hmm. So that's all based on its ability to learn and adapt. And I think both machines are fully capable of that, but I do think you're right. They are also very reflective of the top of the human food chain for each of them. You mentioned uh, Thornhill. Um, mm-hmm. and we want to remember that Harper, who came in for uh, for Dominic, you know, when uh, he was gonna, she was gonna help him out somehow. And she had been getting. We found out in the, the last time she showed up, she'd been getting texts from a Thornhill, which mm-hmm. is you know the machine. So I'm wondering if she's the inside person there, and we can get John out. Maybe not Elias, or maybe both of them. Maybe we can survive. Uh, can survive this uh, situation, but it's put her there for a reason. And I imagine that's uh, she didn't mention, you know, text about Thornhill this time, but it's I think it was so that, you know, you have to remember that she's she's kind of uh, uh, a little bit of, a, of an asset here for the machine. So we shall see what happens there. But that's just in the back of my some folks in the chat room had mentioned mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I just want to bring that up. Yeah, this is not uh, we're not it's not over yet. It's not completely uh, uh, doomsday for reason. Fusco. That's right. That's right. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, control going out of control. This was really good stuff. I mean, I I've, I I feel like I lush on Cameron Mannheim every time she's on the screen because I'm such a big fan of her. She's probably the sweetest person in the world, but man, like when she was on the practice and here, she plays that no-nonsense, take-no-prisoners, I don't give a crap type of person so well. I love watching her on screen. And this was control, completely in control here of this episode uh, of this situation. Did you have any and doubt that the, uh, that the lady was, uh, was really just a mom and a school teacher? Maybe the control had, had been given bad information. Didn't buy it for a minute. Okay. I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoyed watching her keep it up, but the moment where, uh, oh, it's convenient. I like to go to the park to watch art. Oh, you know, I go to that coffee shop three days a week. Oh, yeah? Well, tell me how uh, whatever mom, school teacher, caffeine-addicted person is in the White House. And that just that switch that, that she did, you know, yes. was great. I love the way that the character uh, switched at that point. Well, she she knew she uh, oh, the yeah. drop hadn't been made, so she there's nothing she could do about that. Yep, yeah, yep. It's interesting to see, you know, what, you know, it's in what she said, you know, the sea story, you know, it's a sea story. You don't get a whole lot of time within really, as I was writing the notes up, it's like, there's really not a whole lot to it, but they really did some great drama in there. Um, little twists and whatnot. But uh, ultimately, Shelley talks about a correction that's going to be, uh, that's going to begin. And it, it, it says to me, either they've really got to do a lot of that in the next episode or, uh, Samaritan 
survives this uh, this season and moves into season five, and there's whatever this correction is has to be dealt with as you know now maybe this is you know we get a, this is the outer shell of layer into mordor maybe mordor is more of a samaritan influence on society who knows the world is about to catch fire you know the disruptive will be purged from our society mm-hmm. maybe that's just the rantings of a, of a true believer here maybe it's something that's going to happen for the next season i don't know well, I find it no coincidence that the date that um, Shelley was the lady's name I couldn't think of, uh, in her date book, it was May the 6th. Now, the episode next week, the fa- finale is on May the 5th. So this is the day after the finale. So that leads me to believe that the finale might end with the, um, oh, help me out, what was the word? The uh, correction. The correction. And we don't know. Did was the correction made, or was it not? That that might be the cliffhanger right there. Um, will it will it go off on May sixth like like it was like it was expected, or or was something able to go in there and prevent it from happening? And that's probably going to be that's what I'm predicting will be the the finale, just because they gave it as the Wednesday date, not the Tuesday date. So you believe that Samaritan's going to survive this season. I think they're going to leave it with us not knowing for sure if what they have done to stop Samaritan was successful or unsuccessful. Mm, okay. All right. I like that. I like that. That would be uh, that would be really cool, you know. We need yeah, what's what's really what is the the thing we need to know, the thing that's going to keep us coming back uh, next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the questions and all that stuff. We li- we're answering a lot, but are we going to get some uh, some new ones on that? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Barb in the chat room is saying that the correction will happen. So I don't know. Let's let's do some predictions, Doug. If you're ready for that. I am. Um, there was a POI panel at Paley Fest a few weeks ago. And in there they talked about I think half a dozen it was the was the number given. Is that right? Uh that's what I've heard other people say. I I, I watched the video but I didn't remember what the uh, what the number was, but I've heard that, yeah. I think it was half a dozen. People, they had to make a call on half a dozen people, characters, uh, which means the way I interpret that is half a dozen, half a dozen characters are going to die. Now, I count Martina as one of those half a dozen. Yeah. Oh, you do too. Okay. So who are, if, if we are interpreting that right, who are the remaining five in your mind? I, I can't come up with five. Okay. I uh, I came up with three, and I'm trying to remember now. I wrote this down earlier in the Facebook group. I I believe that Elias dies. I believe we've had enough of enough of a setup that says um, he's kind of uh, resigned himself to to die. And 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 he's had his character has had a long run, and okay. maybe now we have Dominic being the uh, uh, the underworld uh, connection at this point. All right. Here's what I'm doing, Doug. I'm going down to the bottom of our notes here. And I'm making the uh, the prediction here. Doug is saying Martine and Elias. Okay, what else you got? Now uh, let's see. I, well, I just remember, while I'm thinking of it, are we counting Link as one of those six? Oh, I forgot about that. Yes, I think so too. Link. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Uh, let me see here. Okay, my second prediction mm-hmm. is control. Yep, I'm with you on that. I, I believe control. If she's going to uh, 
uh, you know, she, she's trying to find out the information about the mole and her organization. And the Samar- she's, she's aware of Samaritan. And so that may be why she has to go. Okay. Samaritan may decide that she has to go. That's two. I don't, I can't think of any more than, you know, this, that's two. We've got uh, Martine is three. We've got Link is four. My fifth is Greer. Yep. And I've got him yeah. on my list as well. Okay. Now here's the you other question, the- though. Who does it? Who kills Greer? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, my guess is it's going to be Samaritan or, you know, a Samaritan goon, but it's going to be Samaritan initiating it because uh, Greer has been, he already knows he's expendable. He doesn't yep. care that he's yeah. expendable. But here's the thing. I, that's kind of an out on a limb because he's been kind of a, a main character throughout this whole thing. But his, I think his arc has finally hit, hit, hit its peak. Um, we, we can't just move him. We can't do what we did with Collier. And move him off the chess plate, uh, the chessboard, and be done with him. We haven't seen Collier all this season, even though he was a major player last season. Right. But he found out that he was a patsy for Samaritan, and then we don't see him anymore. Even if you know Samaritan goes away, if it, if the machine defeats it or something, that Greer, what's he going to do? I mean, he he would still be uh, somebody trying to revive the Samaritan project or something like it, and so. Whether if Samaritan bites the dust, I think Greer does have to as Greer has to as well, or maybe even if Samaritan doesn't, he still goes. But I, I, that's that's my guess. So that's five. Uh, that's all I got, really. I can't. I can't. I couldn't bear for some of the others to go, and it can't be somebody in my estimation who we've not seen since like episode three or something like that. Yeah, I think it has to be one of our uh, at least some that we've seen recently. Um, I, I will say that I think Greer dies. I think Greer dies by the hand of Harold because we've had it set up. Harold has Chekhov's gun. He has to fire uh, that gun. Yes. And I think he points that at Greer and pulls the trigger. I don't see him pointing that at anybody else um, and pulling the trigger. So that's, that's my prediction. Um, and, and I'm, so I have Martine, Dominic, Link. Uh, Dominic is, I think will die. You have Elias. I think Elias will live. Um, although he could die, he could be my last one. So I have Martine, Dominic, Link, Control, and Greer. My sixth one, I'm a little bit iffy on. It could be Elias. I could see that complete brotherhood thing wiped off. Although Elias has been around since season one. I'd hate to see him go because he's always been a great character to me. You know, I could see Shaw getting killed off. Although I I think the way that they kind of led her off in this episode, that could be the last we see of her until the actress whose name is now escaping me. um, Sarah Sarah, Shahi. Sarah Shahi. Until she's ready to either come back or not. So blah 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 blah. I don't know. I, I you know I, I'm kind of leaning towards Shaw uh, because Sarah wants to be a mother for the next few years. I think Elias could could be at the end of his storyline as well. Those are the two I'm I'm leaning towards. I don't think Root will die, although I could see that happening. I don't think Fincher or um, or John will die. Um, no. So I, th- I think they're 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 okay. You know, we could look at. Um, John's new girl, Iris, I think she is someone who we could look at, although I don't see a need for her to be in the storyline next week. Same with Zoe. I'm with Zoe can pop in and out, and, and they make good sense of that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the players at hand. Bear is a character. You said you couldn't bear to see it on another character. I thought you were going to move into Bear at that point. But, yeah, I don't I – don't, he wasn't in this episode. I don't think he'll be in next week's episode either, and yeah. that would be – that would break some hearts if Bear died. So I don't. I don't think so on that one. So I feel like I'm probably yeah, forgetting yeah. somebody. The, the sixth is yeah. The sixth we got five. 
each of us have got has got five. The six is kind of a wild card here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, that'll be fun. We'll see how that turns out next week. Can't wait. And that's the you know that's the nice thing, right? We're, we're excited about what what happens next week, and then you have to wait. That's just the mm. way the TV seasons work. At least it's not like Lost was, where you had to wait like nine months to get more episodes. Uh, At least man, we only have to wait till the fall. They had these half seasons of four episodes for yeah. God, some of them. Yeah, yeah. All right, Doug, I'm out. What do you got? I'm done. I'm ready for surveillance in the news. All right. First, a little bit of a follow-up from last episode. Um, somebody sent to me, and I have forgotten who I sent it, who sent it to me, but it was we talked the last episode about the Stingray phone tracking system, mm-hmm. where these uh, these devices kind of s- sound like to your phone a cell tower. And then they can, you know, see what you're, where you are, where you're going, you know, that kind of stuff and keep track of where you are. And we talked about how uh, New York City had used it, you know, um, you know, 14, 16, 20 times, something like that. It was, at least that's what they disclosed in, uh, in, in trying to f- track down uh, people who had, you know, been you know, con- or, or were suspects in crimes. Well, this article said Baltimore judge allows police use of Stingray phone tracking system in a murder case. And this one, and the link will be in the show notes, I'm just going to do a a little quick uh, number here for you. The police outlined for the first time this month their usage of the Stingray. They pegged it at more than 4,300 times, a figure experts call a huge number compared to a trickle of disclosures in other cities. So, yeah, they've used it quite a bit, and not all of them with... You know, court orders kind of thing. So mm-hmm. this is something that we need to keep an eye on. Yeah. Okay. So this week from Greg Proops fan. This is from the website The Intercept. How big business is helping expand NSA surveillance? Snowden be de- uh, never minded. <laughs> <laughs> Since thank you. Since November 11th, 2011, with the introduction of the Cyber Intelligence Sharing and Protection Act, American spy agencies have been pushing laws to encourage corporations to share more customer information. They repeatedly failed, thanks in part to NSA contractor Edward Snowden's revelation of mass government surveillance. Surveillance. Then came Republican victories in last year's midterm congressional elections and a major push by corporate interests in favor of the legislation. Today, the bill is back. Largely unchanged, and if congressional insiders and the bill's sponsors are to be believed, the legislation could end up on President Obama's desk as soon as this month. In another boon to the legislation, Obama is expected to reverse his past opposition and sign it, albeit in an amended and renamed form. The reversal comes in wake of high-profile hacks on J.P. Morgan Chase and Sony Pictures Entertainment. Remember how Sony got uh, hacked and whatnot during the, mm-hmm. uh, the the issue with the one uh, the interview, the, mm-hmm. the uh, comedy about uh, uh, Kim Jong Il. The bill has benefited greatly from lobbying by big business, which which sees it as a way to cut costs and to shift some anti-hacking defenses under the government. So. They're more than willing, you know. We don't want to have to spend the money for the uh, the white hats, uh, the white hat hackers to figure out, you know, how we can keep our. You guys let the government do it, and uh, and of course, then that makes uh, makes it one stop shopping for you know. Before you had to go to Sony and this place over there and the hackers over there. Now, if it's all in the government, uh, it's one stop shopping for all our personal data. Thank you very much. Okay. Mm. So there you go. That's a lot of fun. And big business and government when they get together, big things happen. And not always good. <laughs> it's a little scary. Right. It's always you always freak me out a little bit with your surveillance in the news segments. Well, then it's working. 
<laughs> Thanks, Doug. You're, that's right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. Look out. Uh, all right. Well, we got some feedback this week from our listeners. Some great feedback. Yes. Let's get it kicked off then with audio like we usually do. And it comes in from Barb. Take it away, Barb. Hi, Daryl and Doug. This is Barb calling in with feedback on this week's POI Epi Asylum. I'm giving this Epi 9.8 Snapped Necks. Bye-bye, Martine, and good riddance. The only reason that it didn't get a 10 was that our superhuman John had an unbelievable amount of stamina the morning after his extreme blood loss and hypothermia. That was a little bit too much of a hand wave for me. Loved, loved, loved this Epi. Here are a few random thoughts, observations, and predictions. John had a more boyish look with his hair in his eyes, or perhaps that was the exhaustion from his near-death experience. Either way, it made him look vulnerable. I laughed out loud to see Harold in a mental asylum looking for Lenny. I almost expected Lenny to be mumbling, 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42, but he wasn't. Nice loss shout-out, though. It was good to see Control. She is now the only quasi-good guy who knows that there is an attack coming. A correction. She will be there to help our team next week, and I think she will go down fighting as a patriot. How very creepy to hear. Every life will be given a mission. Samaritan will build a new world. A better world. Harper was with Dominic's team. I think Samaritan sent her there, and how interesting that Samaritan apparently told her to name her price if she saved Fusco. I think Samaritan has a special mission for Lionel. I wonder if he will be forced to go to the dark side next season. How could Martine have known about Root's implant if Shaw didn't tell her? I think Shaw has been implanted with a device of her own and is now part of the larger Samaritan correction plan. Hmm. Shaw and Fusco working against Harold, John, and Root. That would create some interesting and wrenching dynamics. I think we will see the end of the Elias and Dominic showdown next week. I think they will both die and that this has been somewhat orchestrated by Samaritan. Their personal turf wars would have no place in Samaritan's new world order. It will be a shame to see Elias go, but I think it's inevitable. Root came back from her trip with a computer chip, which it appears she put with the briefcase she recently acquired. I think these items will come into play next week, and I think Harold and Root will save a piece of the machine. Speaking of next week, Control has to help our team so that they learn what Samaritan is up to. So I think Greer will kill Control and then turn with his gun to kill Root. Then Harold will not go down quietly. He will finally use a gun to kill Greer before Greer can kill Root. Greer knows that he isn't important. And Samaritan is ready to rule the world on its own. We will end the season with Samaritan believing it has destroyed our machine and ready to implement its correction on May the 6th. How very poignant to watch Harold's face as our feeling and caring machine told him he was wrong. And push Harold to finally understand that it is okay to take risks and sacrifice for someone else and fight for what you believe in. I think this is Harold's awakening, as John had his last week. And this is why he will pick up a gun to save Root next week. Mm. That's it for this week. And gentlemen, you are not interchangeable. Oh, thank you very much. 
Well, you know, I could be on that mic and he could be on this mic and that would be interchangeable. <laughs> you going to give yourself a rim shot for that? Uh, no, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, that was a good point that, yeah, John seemed to be pretty uh, pretty hefty and uh, and serious after all that blood loss last week. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you, you know, the question is how much time has, uh, ha- you know, elapsed between last week's episode and this week's episode and... It doesn't seem like that much. Yeah, it doesn't. It seems like mm-hmm. uh, you know, but he's a superhero, right? He's got the, you know the special superhero genes and whatnot. So yeah. I guess I something like that. She thought control dies as well. I like mm-hmm. that. You know, she believes her. She, she's going down as a patriot. She mentioned Harper, and 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 I had missed this before. And folks in the uh, chat room had gotten me uh, squared away here that she actually did get you know texted by Thornhill in this episode, or she mentioned a text by Thornhill right. in this episode. Right. And name your price if she says Fusco, not Reese. Uh, did you? I didn't pick did up that on kind that. Of, yeah, I just thought I, it was to I, save I, both of them. I hope so. I, maybe, maybe, um, maybe the machine thinks John can take care of himself, but Fusco really needs the help, especially since he has no information, you know, and he's going to get tortured until he gives up what he doesn't know. So yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I didn't pick up on that. Interesting. Um, I, I like the idea that Shaw has been implanted. We've had that. We had that the Chekhov's implants, you know, mm-hmm. earlier on when we had uh, uh, the show that took place in upstate New York in the tiny little town there, yep. and we haven't seen those used yet. So yeah. that's got to be somewhere. That would that would be if Shaw is on the other side. That would be that'd be cool. Oh, it would. But man, I would hate to see our guys battling up again. Could you imagine Root if she had to come to a point where she has to take out Samin? Well, you see, that would set up re- a really serious, you know, conflict there. Well, you yeah. Know? Oh, wow. No, I think that be that would be. It would be uh, like Keanu gold. Reeves in Point Break. He w- she would just roll over into her back and fire her gun into the air. <laughs> I never saw Point Break. As Patrick Swayze, a la, or AKA uh, Samin, jumps over a fence and gets away. <laughs> and then she talked about. She mentioned saving a piece of the machine. I was like, wait a minute, a piece? Because we know that at least the first time we almost saw the machine at the fake, or that, yeah, fake nuclear reactor, mm-hmm. or the nuclear reactor that was powering it, right. that it went off in pieces, different right. modules. So maybe, you know, one of those pieces, maybe that's what uh, Root had with her. I don't know. Or maybe that'll help. You know, maybe it's the information that it needs to reboot itself when she gets a piece of it, and then it can start. Wow, mm-hmm. that, that there's so many options uh, for uh, for th- that that occur because if you if you think about just saving a piece of it, and if that's good enough, wow, that'll yeah. that'll, that'll make things. Uh, maybe it's the source code, easy. and it can replicate itself out. You yeah. know, as far as processing power from there. Yeah, that was that was great feedback. Thanks, Barb. Mm-hmm. Yep. Would you okay. like the honors? Andrew B. said he gave Asylum 10 means of leverage. Thank you. It was a clever move to begin Asylum in earnest with Control, picking up a narrative thread unrelated to the previous episode to establish the intensity of this one. The follow-up to Terra Incognita came second, as we quickly saw a result of Reese's development and then more dead Brotherhood guys with no numbers having been given. Elias's chosen means of communication made sense for these cases in both episodes and it and is a contrast with Dominic, who wants access to Finch's system. That system is, by all accounts, a character in its own right, 
and this is definitely among its-slash-her most impactful appearances. More hundreds of thousands of options were evaluated, and we have a good sense of just how much happened within those crucial 60 seconds, which is interesting. If then else, the episode with when we saw it going through those, we, we kind of set that up. They set it up in there, and that was really nice. Um, anyway, the machine's message, aided by the music, was bittersweet and surreal. It really felt like a god was speaking, and easily stands as one of the most awe-inspiring things I've seen on the show. I think one could make a case that the machine was going against Finch's lesson, and that it was not. The thematic complexity continues to be great. It goes back to what Finch told Root after drinking the poison intended for Beth. I suppose we're just both trying to save one more friend from dying. Lo and behold, Root got to kill someone to save Finch after all. And it was indeed painless. Only Root could pull off that sequence of actions and words. I nominate Amy Acker for Best Performance by an Actress on a Bed. More seriously, she did some great stuff with just facial expressions and tone of voice. I love the banter between Root and Finch upon entering the asylum. That and other moments of levity were nice in what was a somewhat gruesome episode. It seems that Samaritan is planning to put its studies to use in a big way, killing its primary targets along with many deviants and rearranging those who are left, rather like its experiment in Maple. There's the name of the town I had missed. Mm -hmm. I think it's no coincidence that Shaw was revealed to be alive in that episode since she has seemingly been repurposed. Eerily, some of Shelley's message to Control is nearly identical to the voiceover in this episode's promo. That what happens next, quote, will be the end for some, and for others, a rebirth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but who? That's the thing. It Very is the nice. Thing. And it was interesting to watch that montage and that voiceover at the end of the episode. And you never know. Like when they said rebirth, I think they were showing Shaw at that time when they were talking about some lives being lost or something to that effect. The camera was on Fusco and it's like, you know, are these clues or these red herrings or these misdirections? Are they completely non-related whatsoever? You know, I don't, I don't know, but it's kind of fun to look at those things and go, you know, can I read into this at all for next week? I don't know. <laughs> red herrings. Yeah. I've never had herring. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> all right. Well, that was good. Thank you, Andrew. This one comes from, Star Lord, uh, this one says, hello, Doug and Daryl. Hello. I'm giving this episode 15 revelations of Samaritan's operations. Wow. I loved this episode, but I wonder where the machine is located. Did it eventually go back to where it was located originally to the nuclear bunker in Washington, or is it somewhere in plain sight where Samaritan never foresaw where it could be located among the compromised servers of Samaritan, or even spread across the United States and the world. Anyways, hope to hear from you soon. And that came in from Star Lord, and Star Lord says, "P.S. An addendum to my feedback is that I felt the episode was too short, and time flew so fast. When the ending credits came, I felt that the episode had just started, and where was the rest? Until my watch told me that it was 11 p.m. Mm-hmm." It did go by really fast. Man, I mean, yeah, it was just, it was fantastic. Really mm -hmm. great writing, I think. Do you have any ideas on where the machine is, has been hiding itself? It, I had never occurred to me that it might have gone back to its hidey hole in the nuclear reactor. I think that's that would be pretty 
interesting. That, that uh, would be cool. I wonder yeah. if it's. I wonder if it's hiding in the implant. If it's not on any networked computer, how mm-hmm. is it? You know, talking to both. How is it getting into the phone system? How is it talking to root? I wonder. I and mean, you know, they they made it makes sense to try to yank the uh, cochlear implant out and see how it's be, where it's being transmitted from. You know, any way to track that down, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm 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 not sure exactly where you could hide something. It's not on the network, but can still communicate both through a cochlear implant and via the wonderful payphones. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't either. And at the very end of the episode when it said locating machine or something to that effect and it showed yes, the yes. U.S. map, I looked a couple of times and nothing really stood out to me. I didn't see anything that was like, oh, there it is. Because I thought, well, am I missing something? But nothing stood out to me. Did it to you? No, I think I was I was watching to see if it was going to put a little dot somewhere. Yeah. It never did. Yeah. Okay. Just a teaser for next week. <laughs> it's still looking. Okay, now we've heard a lot of people with, you know, nines and tens and some people with 9.99. And now for the counterpoint, here is Shark Watch. Now, some of you may be saying, oh, my goodness, this is just a troll. Well, maybe. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but uh, they make some some interesting points after we get through the little uh, preamble here. Greetings, deluded cheerleaders of a soon-to-be-canceled-and-dead show. No. No. I'm giving this episode 1.5 of a yawn, boring and cliche episode. Last night's ep was, well, for lack of a better word, disappointing. I think we can all agree that Nolan is the biggest fan of his own hype. Ah, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, we get to some parts here where Sharkwatch says, I love the scene with Reese and Fusco in the beginning. Reese appears to be very zen at the moment. Seems to me he has made his peace with death and with life. Makes me wonder about his future. We adored Elias as a villain. Tough, calculating, brilliant, but still with a code of quote-unquote ethics that seems to be consistent, sort of. Maybe it's just that he's so darn charismatic. I do wonder why Reese and Fusco were there, though. I understand the original premise, but with or without them, Elias and Dominic would have had their showdown. Everything related to the scene would have happened anyway. It seemed to me that Reese and Fusco were just there to be tortured. Glad Martine is dead. Don't understand why Greer and Samaritan kept her around for so long. She seemed so bad at her job. Maybe the writers needed to keep her around so there would be a parallel to the death of Link. I had not thought about that. You know, Greer's number two bit the dust last week as well. So that's, for, that's, a, that's a good point. The soccer mom slash handler was brilliant and quite menacing as she switched like a chameleon from one persona to another. All of these scenes seemed to be setting things up Nothing was resolved. We learned a few things, like Reese had an epiphany concerning his life. The machine does care about its assets, and Control is capable of taking advice from others, Finch. But the storyline made no movement forward, except maybe near the end. The rest of the 40 minutes was a to-be-continued, I guess. Well, yeah. That's, that's what it was. I, I do believe it's a two-parter. Yeah. About Harper, why was she there? As a lie detector for Reese and Fusco, according to Dominic? Question one, why bother to torture people if you already know the answers? Through Harper. I don't think they know the answers. I think they're trying to find, uh, get access to uh, to Finch here. Uh, question two, how did Dominic know Reese and Fusco were even going to be there to plan ahead to have Harper be there? The machine did that, I think. I can't believe they spent their second to last episode torturing people and treading water. If you're talking about Fusco... I foresee the sh- 
thank you. I foresee the show's cancellation and the next episode being the series finale. It's like Nolan tried everything in the book to generate a lot of fan interest in getting people to tune into the episode and it still didn't work, resulting in a series and a season low for viewers. When the show gets canceled and all of you who support the show are crying over its cancellation, remember that I and my group warned you. All right, Cassandra. If it gets renewed, it's time for us fans to get rid of narcissistic showrunners and make it better. Maybe return POI to its pre-AI war days. Because, yeah, we want everything to go back to the beginning, right? Okay. Uh, some good points in there. I, I made a great point about uh, about Martine being the number two to die, just like Link, just like, uh, uh, and I forget his name, but uh, Elias is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really think that that's, uh, yeah, we're not, we're not uh, I think... It's just a, bad vibes there, you know? It's just bad all around. All these great things about the show, except that it was a 1.5. Oh, okay. I don't understand how somebody can can spend so much time on a show <laughs> that they apparently don't like. If you don't like the show, move on. A very, very detailed feedback for something you hate. There you go. Okay, there you go. I'm I guess good. they'll be crying when the show gets renewed. <laughs> I, I am predicting it will be renewed. Not a problem. Okay, now, if you have feedback, yay or nay, and even nah, <laughs> you can send it to us a couple of ways, a bunch of ways. You can call us. You can just call, pick up the phone and dial 304-837-2278 and probably use your cell phone because then you won't get long distance charges. Uh, you can go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback, and from there you can do a jillion things. Okay, three, you can <laughs> type in text. You can upload an audio file, and or you can use the speak pipe widget. Speak pipe. It's it's really easy to say, except I can't say it. You can click on it, and it will use your computer's microphone, and you can record things. It's just absolutely amazing. On Twitter, we are POI Podcast GSM, and we are usually on uh, every uh, tweeting live every uh, time the episode is on. We have a Facebook group now. There is so much going on, and a Almost all of the ratings we got mm-hmm. were because of a uh, – we put a little post on there each time the uh, episode is out, and you can put your ratings in there and your thoughts on it, and we can grab some stuff out of there. Oh, you got to go there. It's the Facebook.com uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash Person of Interest GSM, or just search for Person of Interest Podcast, and you'll, you'll find it. It's great. A lot of great people in there. Mm-hmm. And a whole bunch. We had a whole bunch more uh, coming just for this uh, this episode. So there you go. Yep. Well, let's talk about next week, Doug, because uh, the the title of the episode is uh, I've seen this coming for a few weeks now, but I haven't I haven't said anything. So I wanted to kind of wait. It's a gr- interesting title. It's uh, YHWH, which is uh, Yahweh. Uh, the the I was going to say the original Jewish spelling. That's not right because it <laughs> that's the uh, English uh, in- interpretation. Uh-oh. Yes, it's it's, it's yep. spelled yeah Y H W H. The idea is that it's a, it's one of the names of God used right. in the Hebrew Bible. Religiously observant Jews are forbidden to pronounce the name, and so mm-hmm. that's why it's not really all spelled out with vowels and all that uh, when they're reading the Torah. And so they sometimes replace it with another word, Adonai, which means Lord. Uh, but the main thing is this is the name of God, right. and it's essentially you know we've been setting these two uh, machines up as quote unquote gods, and so. Wow, and 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 I think more specifically too, or, or worth pointing out that this is the name of the one true God. I mean that that is that is what the name is set aside to represent. So that is kind of what we're coming down to next week: is which one of these two gods is going to be the one that remains? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. 
That's what I'm. That's what I'm reading ah, into it. I like that. Hadn't thought about that. Oh, well. Here's what uh, CBS says. This is their press release. Finch and Root race to save the machine, which has been located by the rival AI Samaritan. While Reese is caught in the middle of a final showdown between rival crime bosses Elias and Dominic on the fourth season finale of Person of Interest. Alrighty. <laughs> And we have a regular cast. Everybody's there. Even uh, Sarah Shahi as Samin Shah. Mm-hmm. A lot of S's in there. you got to be careful. Now, interesting. Recurring cast. We have Elias. We have Greer. We have Control. Um, Dominic is in there, of course. And Ren Schmidt as Iris is back. Uh-oh. So I she didn't see could, that. She could be on the, uh, the, the Death Watch list here. She could be because I mean that's been kind of set up too, where where like Zoe was warning John about having a relationship with her and the danger that he posed to her. So that could be our sixth person that we were trying to figure out earlier. Yeah, she could be the the, the wild card there. Harper mm-hmm. is back, but I don't think she's dying because Thornhill has uh, promised some stuff to her. So I bet you she uh, she lives. Yeah, I didn't think about her either when we were talking earlier. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, we also have a guest cast. We have. Anthony Gaskins playing the lineman. We have John Altman playing a fireman. And Joseph McKenna plays Odd Man. So there you are. <laughs> I looked those up in IMDb, and I'm sure they have lots of things to say about them. Yeah. yeah. It was written by Dan Dietz and the executive producer, Greg Plagman. So it's going to be a big deal, of course. That's right. And directed by Chris Fisher, whom we have seen a number of times this season already. Yep. Very cool. Can't wait. Join us for that. And uh, thanks for tuning into this week's episode. And until next time, I'm Daryl, and uh, I'm going to go on to bed so I can get some rest for next week's amazing season finale. Absolutely. And I'm Doug, saying that if your number comes up, we hope there's a man in a suit watching over you, supervising your cochlear implant removal. <laughs> <laughs>